Hi, I'm John Stevens. This is Matt Russell. And this is Pod Have Mercy. This is Pod Have Mercy. Russell. Yes, John Stevens. Let's talk, let's talk <laughs> faith in America. Or we, or we can just talk about the, you know, whatever you want to talk about. Let's, let's do this, John. Let's do it. So Easter just happened. Did you have a good Easter? It was, it was great. It was great. I really enjoyed being here. I thought the services were amazing. They always are. And your sermon just, you know, yeah. I don't think there was a dry eye in the house. Oh, you mean outside? I mean outside, yeah. but you know what I mean. How was the weather? The weather was just, I mean, oh, God does what God does. You know. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's always beautiful, you know, no matter what happens. Um, <laughs> for those of you who are joining us, uh, we are recording this before Easter. So Matt Russell is a liar. And he smells like beef and cheese. I just wanted to see what you would say. He's sitting Great. on the throne of lies. <laughs> Welcome to my No, so it's, uh, it's supposed to be really nice. So, so we'll so by the time this comes out, we will know for sure if all you said comes <laughs> true. I'm a prophet. <laughs> One of the things I thought it'd be fun to talk about, there's a lot of research. You know, when we started this podcast, it was all about really wrestling with the church and a new in the world, the world changing around us. And of course, the pandemic is yeah. on steroids. Um, and we've had to learn to do a lot of things different. And this year, um, Barna does a lot of uh, research, religious research, and spiritual research in the U.S. You know, last year, Easter was all digital online, 100%. I mean, anywhere, because I think we were still in the quarantine stage. We were. What's interesting is when they ask churches this year, what do you plan to do? I don't know exactly when they ask these questions, but 45% said they were going to live stream online. 13% said they were going to record an Easter message to send out. Um, 10% an outdoor service, which we, we did. Um, 5% find another unique way to convene. 5% postpone Easter. Does that surprise you? Yeah. Postpone Easter. Yeah. Huh. To win. Like St. Patrick's it, Day? Like, or what, what, do you, ortho- what do you what do, you, what do, you do yeah, that? It'll be next year. I know. And Orthodox Easter is later, right? Yeah. But that's only like a week or so. Yeah, but that, and that lasts for like 18 days, too. So have you ever been to an Orthodox Easter service? No. It's it's a marathon. Yeah, so I, I was interested. And then 20% had no plans. Huh. So this was March 24th through 30th. Um, you know, I think it's interesting when you think about how people are thinking about coming back. All right, no, okay, oh, wait, you know what? All right, let's start over. I missed yeah. up. Oh, what happened? Hey. All right, cut that down. Oh, that was last year. That was year. last year. Oh, okay, okay. All right, good. Okay. See, I misread. I thought I, thought I was at the 21. I was at the 20. All right, we're going to start okay, over, that was Jeff. a month. That was a couple weeks before Easter. And let's see what the other one, when they're when they're drawing the data on the next one, too. All right, so they're drawing the data on the next one in the March, about the same time. That's no. 20. That's 2020. Now go up the, keep going. Yeah, but that's the new one. No, is it? Yep, yeah, that's 21. All right, let's start this over. All right. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Pot Emerson. Um, all right, so 
last year, we're, we're a year into pandemic, and we're also a year from Easter, right? Uh, we just had Easter services, churches all did. In 2020, when you think about what were we doing, I mean, I thought everyone was online, but according to Barna, at least 50% were live streaming, um, 13% recorded Easter message and sent it out. That's sort of what we did, mm-hmm. right? I think right. we, I think we were live streaming, but we didn't have anybody in the actual right. sanctuary. Um, outdoor services, 10%, and then other ways or postponing last year Easter. It, it makes sense to me now, 5% thinking about postponing because at right. the time we weren't sure that this wasn't going to last like a month, right? Right. We had no idea. 2% met as usual. 20% didn't know what they were going to do. No plan in place. That, that, that feels was a like month, me. That was a month out to Easter. We have no plan in place. We have, we have no idea. It makes sense, though. It makes so much sense. Uh, Last year, we were like, what are we going to do? <laughs> we have, we no, have plan. no idea. I mean, do you remember, like, it felt like every week last year, we were, it was just an adaptation. We were just pivoting, 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 not really oh, yeah. sure, you know, until, until some things started kind of unfolding. But I just remember, you know, um, I just remember it. It was so. surreal to come in and, and, you know, at first we recorded the whole services like we were, like there were people in it, right? We right. just recorded that. We sent it out. And then we realized we could put this together better if we, yeah, did the band and then did this and then did the sermon and, but it was odd, man, preaching in a room with no people. Weird. It was super weird. I I I don't think I could be a TV preacher. You know. Yeah, you need some people in the room. People help. Yeah. Well, this year the majority of pastors have, are excited to celebrate Easter with actual people in the room. Yeah. Um, even though there's a lot of precautions out uh, that are in place. And so this year, when you look at it, go, okay, well, 80% said we're meeting together in our building with COVID precautions. That makes a lot of sense. We're doing yeah. that. Live stream online, 71%. Meet outdoors, 22%. We have outdoor, had outdoor services as well. Uh, 17% recording a message and sending it out. And then 11 meeting together without precautions. I just well, go, well, hmm. well. Five <laughs> percent uh, just provide resources. No one was canceling all their services. That's interesting. Yeah. The difference between um, 2020 and 2021 is remarkable. Although I will tell you, I know a lot of churches, even in Houston, that their first in-person gathering church service will be Easter. Yes. Since last March. Yes. Many of our denominational. Mm-hmm. Brethren and sisters will be doing that. Yeah, and I would imagine that'd be the case in a lot of yep. other states where they've been may, maybe more cautious mm-hmm. than Texas or Georgia or some others. And I wonder too if if folks are meeting in person, live streaming, and sending things out. If there's some churches that will do all three of those, right? Mm. You know, um, because of just some of the ways we've gotten savvy about how folks are, um, you know, engaging. What did you miss the most during when you already, you got a a little taste here of the title of what people responded to, but I'm going to show you what, what did you miss the most with church was not like meeting in person? You know, we had just arrived about a month and we were totally loving like the worship and just being 
like in the community. Um, and it was, it was wonderful. So I think just people and, and being together in worship was mm-hmm. really something. Well, at Chapelwood, everyone said they missed the pastor, the senior pastor the most <laughs> and the sermons that he, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> it was cookies. And then John Stevens, the cookies. <laughs> mercy streets, the cookies, <laughs> What do you miss about attending in-person worship service? This is interesting. Uh, number one, taking communion, Holy Communion, the Eucharist, 24%. That's something we wrestled with last year. You remember uh, Bishop uh, Harvey said, you know, that was such a big thing. We were wrestling, like, can you do communion right. online? And it's like, now that's not even an uh, argument we have. Yeah. I mean, some people do, but no one yeah. really is anymore. No. And it makes me wonder how many people actually took communion in their homes, I don't know. Mm. Socializing with other churchgoers before and after the services was about equal, 23%. You talk about missing people. And this is what I told um, with Joseph recently when you were not here, is that a guy came out of church and he goes, uh, he goes, he just you know, had his hand mm-hmm. on my chest. Yeah. He's like, I want you to bring our church back. I want you to bring our church back. Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean, like, to meet? Yeah. We're meeting. No, I want you to bring our church back. So you, you mean mass? Are we about talking about I didn't know we I really yeah, had no, yeah. I was at a loss. And he's like, and he just kind of was like, you know, just the, the, my people were not here and around and visiting. And I'm like, dude, I, I can't make the people come back. Yeah. But it was just interesting that his trauma and need of what he was missing was not the sermon, not the music, not, it was his people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're um, we're we're contacting um, everybody in the church right right now. Kind of sending emails out, and just just checking on people. And the emails that I'm getting back from folks, um, I just sent an email out to the group of folks that I'm um, attending to, and it's amazing. the The feedback is just it's been a really r- rough year, and they're hungry to be around folks. Hmm. You know, I received three of those today. And so I think that's, you know, I think people like the guy that talked to you after service on Sunday is the same. It's just people are hungry for that. Yeah, I mean, listening to the live sermon, 21%, connecting with like-minded people, greeting others, to have open and safe conversations about God. There's a lot of things on there. The least was having child care while attending a service. You know, I've found, too, since people have come back, they bring their kids to church. Before, a lot of people didn't bring their kids to into the church. Yeah. They'd be in the Sunday school, or we'd have an overlapping service. And it's really uh, refreshing to yeah. see parents in Sunday school classes, like the one that you've been doing in the fellowship mm-hmm. hall or in the church, and they're there with their kids with them. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. It's pretty great. What I've loved about that is that I'm getting to know the kids, too. Yeah, you know, and so like when I'm when I'm at Southwells or you know walking around, I I know these yeah. There's just kids that you think, oh, I would have not known you unless uh, you're in that little Sunday school class. It's interesting if they they also looked at it by generation. Mm. So, you know, communion, of course, baby boomers, double millennials and Gen X combined on communion, huh. um, socializing with others. A little bit more even split. Mm-hmm. Listening to the sermon, look at the millennials. Like, nah, we didn't really miss that. Yeah. <laughs> millennials are like, the live sermon? Nah, not, not so much. So much. Yeah, we'll listen to a TED Talk or 
whatever. <laughs> so what did the younger generations miss? The, the Gen X missed the most. The Gen X missed the most. Did you see that passing of the peace? Oh, yeah. Passing of the peace happens usually right after confession. And so like in the liturgy, right? And so you'll have this confession and then pardoning. Um, and then uh, usually it's the passing of the peace right after that because now we're back in relationship with each other. And it's, so, a, it's a physical, tangible way to experience, feel God's forgiveness through another, you know. So when, when you pass the peace, you say, the peace of Christ be with you and also with you. Yeah. And you're the hand, you're that tangible, yeah, and then yeah. you bro hug oh, it. Bro hug it. I loved it. I think we ought to, that, that's something we ought to think about, you know. Like, like having those rituals of people saying that to each other coming back might be really fun. But what it was interesting, so um, millennials, Maybe not. Uh, what they miss the most, the chance to connect with like-minded people, live music, were the, were the two biggest for them. And then getting others, greeting others, and passing the peace. There's a sense of, of the younger generation having more a sense of connection, needing the connection. I think the older congregation certainly has that the same, the baby boomers. Mm-hmm. But, um, man, the difference, 20% versus 12% for the young with the live music versus the yeah. older. I mean, corporate worship, the millennials are like heads and shoulders above the older generation and what mm-hmm. they, they miss, which is interesting. Anyway, I, I found it interesting when you start thinking about, well, what is it that we've missed or what is it that people out there you know, are, are missing? What is it that they have experienced or, or, or missed about what it is that the church offers? And as we've talked about, I think there's going to be a lot more people that are going to find the need to, um, I don't know, I would just say the need for people to be more connected more than they thought. Yeah. I think they're going to really, like I said, there'll be a lot of people that won't come back. There'll be a lot of people that will, won't, I mean, they'll, they'll intersect much less than they did. But I think there's going to be some people come back that we didn't expect to yeah, come back. Yeah. I also, I also have been wondering about this too, John, if the first two months of folks coming back are going to be super important, you know, will will like, will there, as we kind of think about what needs are walking through the door and how that, how the spirit and how we as a community might engage that, if that, if we're able to meet needs and really kind of be open to folks, if that will be something that people like, yeah, that's what I've been missing. Hmm. You know, that's what I've been needing. And, um, yeah. So another thing Barna looked at was, um, the satisfaction of your social life, your well-being, your work-life balance and how that worked through. So I, I think spirituality it's interesting the way Barna does it is they will in uh, they'll interview people that are Christian and non-Christian in in society. Yeah. And so what they found is that practicing Christians were more likely to report higher levels of satisfaction with their social life during pandemic. Isn't that interesting? And so they were more satisfied Christians. So here's all US adults. I mean it's 12 to 21%. That's not a small number. And the majority uh, of all U.S. adults and practicing Christians shared that they had altered, skipped, or canceled major events and milestones during the pandemic. Did you just cancel major things? And mm-hmm. yeah, like like, like, so like I was thinking like the pandemic started right when uh, Gabriel had a birthday. 
And so we had this whole party planned mm. and all that. And, we, and it, we just had, we had to say, we can't do it, bro. And he was just crushed. Oh yeah. And the graduations. Oh, the gra- remember that graduations and that and was bombs. And, and you know, I get it. I didn't have one graduating. I get parents, man. Parents were just, they were, they lost their minds. Yeah. Because I mean, you're, that's your whole life. I mean, you think it's like, here's my, here's my oldest or my youngest or whatever. And this is a really, really big, whether you'd been through it before or not with your kids. I mean, I remember going through with Maddie, my youngest, that senior year, you know, she's the major, the Marquette team, and they have their spring show, and then they have all these competitions, and they do all these things, and there's graduation, and there's these parties, and there's like proms and formals, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And the thought of her being told that whole season, you can't do any of these things, they're all Oof. canceled. And I can't imagine. I, I, I can certainly understand why parents behaved badly in that season. Yeah. Although it wasn't their fault. I mean, well, it was their fault to behave badly. It's probably your fault. But, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, the stress and the anxiety and the trauma on that. I mean, how do you, you see your, something being taken away from your child. Yeah, yeah. A year later, all that is like, if 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 somebody came along, my, my son's a senior, and they said, yeah, it's canceled, we'd be like, all right. <laughs> you know, a year later, it's like, you know. Do you think so, really? Okay. I mean. Do you I, think so, really? Do you think that, like, we're at a place now where it's like, if you cancel graduation again this year, everybody would be okay? I don't think they would. I, not okay, but I think I don't think people would flip their lids as much as they did last year. I, I think we said it's online and we have to adjust because all these things have happened. I don't know. I, I also wonder if it's because churches, um, it's kind of like ours had Bible studies and group meetings. And so then it's like. You know, there's, there's, we adapted around Zoom and, and there's some ways that Sunday school classes or groups became more intimate. I'm in a men's group that's met every, you know, Monday morning and have not skipped a beat, went to Zoom online. And it's just like, yeah, you know, uh, it's been great. So this, this thing, it goes back because it touches on it again, that in the fall, they talked about adults work life um satisfaction Mm. and when you look at this that practicing christians had a significantly higher level of being more satisfied in their work and life um work-life balance and you know this is all right so i'm gonna hype i'm going to um sort of try to read between the lines here Because I, I can certainly see that if a church has taught people through the through their their life about Sabbath, mm-hmm. about relationships, about th- the things that matter, if you don't have that foundation, mm-hmm. right? You don't understand Sabbath. You don't understand stop and rest. You don't understand Lenten, Lenten season, right? Where you deny self denial and all this. So these are things we teach. Yeah, most churches teach. I think we should teach. And I think so, even if you haven't lived and engaged in that regularly, the idea of having to be without. Very interesting. I'm wondering if there's something coded in the DNA of people who are spiritual. Yeah, that's really interesting. Does that make sense? Yep, totally. Now, I'm guessing. I don't know. But I mean, why? that seems to be a really interesting, and it's a big difference. Huge. Satisfied with work-life balance during the pandemic. More so than before. I wonder too. You know, when this first began, we talked about the, like the the bigger narrative that this fits in for us about kind of 
God's God's story in the world, right? And so we, as you've been, you know, talking about um, even this last season um, in the sermon series, you know, this kind of this movement from and to, right? And we found ourselves in the pandemic in this kind of in-between place, not knowing where it was going. But we also knew that this is part of our Christian story, mm-hmm. that we're folks that are moved from season to season and God's with us. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if some of the ability to pivot is because or at least to be open to some of those things is because of that dynamic that you're talking about. Well, and look at this. U.S. adult satisfaction with mental and emotional well-being. Practicing Christians are almost double in the more satisfied category than all U.S. adults. And far a smaller percentage are less satisfied. Right. So... How has your satisfaction changed from pre-COVID to now, your mental and emotional well-being? Again, um, this, this, this number is amazing to me when you look at how your spirituality and your faith, if you are a person of faith or you're a person who is engaged in spirituality in your life, this is not surprising to you. But if you have someone in your life that's not spiritual or not religious, and you look at this, I mean, if, if I were just more of a data-driven uh, person who wasn't all that spiritual, and I'd look at that and I'd go, hmm, wonder what's going on there, that almost double uh, adults in the United States percentage-wise are more satisfied with their mental and emotional well-being because... They're practicing faith, practicing Christians specifically in this, in this. And I can just tell you from talking to a lot of practicing Christians, it's been tough. I was going to so say, I can only imagine. Wow. They, they <coughs> interviewed folks in Hawaii. What were they taking this? <laughs> I can imagine people with, with no sense of spiritual groundedness or yeah. um, that would have been really tough. There was, a, there was one more I wanted to share with you that I found interesting. All right, so Barna also found out that one in five churchgoers has never attended church online during COVID. Mm-hmm. Now think about that. That's 20%. 20% of people who say, I'm a churchgoer, I go to church. That could be once a month or it could be once every two or three. I mean, it could be whatever. Or it could be every week. Could be could be a couple of times. Twenty percent. That ain't small change. No, that's not. It's a lot of people. Not attended church online during COVID. I love their phrase, an obvious and abrupt decline. You think? <laughs> you think? I look at these numbers. So as of September twenty twenty, about one in five of those who would normally be defined as churchgoers. All right, say they have never attended a service during the pandemic, either in person or digitally. Now, half do keep up. Um, wow. So that's really interesting to me. And I don't, I, and I, I might have some sort of a, I might have some sort of a thought about the, benefits of your spirituality on your emotional mental health. I don't know what this means or speaks to uh, overall in society. Yeah. You know, I, I, I keep thinking like we're, um, we're a faith of the body, 
and of the flesh, right? And so I wonder if if there's something like that that in a digital format, like it's there's just a limitation, you know? Because I I keep thinking we're we'll be celebrating it this Sunday. There's just this idea within our own faith that there's no substitute for flesh. Hmm. There's just no substitute for flesh, and so that. You can digitalize things, but they're still, it's very different, you know, um, say watching something on a digital screen and, and having a, um, a lived experience with someone. And I wonder if there, there is, um, um, there's a real, there's a barrier for that. Yeah. The last one was, I was looking at is like, you think like I have, there's a guy and I'm sure there's a lot of them like, I'm not doing anything online. I got to be in person, in person. It's like I, I just, I'm an in-person person. Like, okay, I get you. But what's what's interesting is they did this study on uh, this this particular poll that 68 percent of Christians are willing to engage in online prayer and are willing to continue to do that going forward. That they yeah. found value yes. in this connective connectivity and digital activity through their church, and so. Um, now not all, not everybody participated, but the ones who did, it was a high percentage of them that said, Hey, you know what? I would continue to do this. This continues to give me an opportunity to plug in with people and to plug into prayer in a way that maybe I didn't before, which I think is pretty cool. Absolutely. So, so digitally when there's a, um, a, a, a connection, an intimate connection between people, there's a higher satisfaction than when it's just content that that's that's not um, kind of calling a person forward in some ways of interaction. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I think um, you know the the. I think kind of what all, a lot of this stuff says to me is, online stuff is not. I mean, it's here to stay. Technology is here to stay. I was talking with a guy today. Uh, you know, our whole conference-wide group with this committee that we meet, right? And I was like, well, when when do you think we start going from Zoom meetings to, like, meeting meetings again, like where people come? And he's like, I don't think you'll ever be back there totally. Now, you think about how big our conference, you got people up in Tyler and Nacogdoches and Galveston and mm-hmm. Bryan College Station in Houston. So if you're in Houston and you have a meeting in Houston, that's not a big deal. But are you going to drive three hours from Texarkana, you know, or three and a half hours to come to a meeting, no. to be in the room, even for a day retreat, right? Like, oh, we're having a day planning. Um, I think about, you know, our delegation meetings where people are coming from Longview or whatever else. Like, I wouldn't do that. I'm even thinking about the some of the meetings we've had here where, you know, if you think about the the work-life balance, right? Where you could, you, you, you may be able to save at least an hour in the car, not coming to a church meeting if you could have it on zoom. And if it's about information, right? So Mm -hmm. some of the meetings, like the regathering meetings we've done, you know, those have been amazing online. And I don't think there's been diminished at all because we haven't been able to meet. And so it's kind of finding those kinds of meetings out where you could say, Oh, we could really, we could be much more attending to people's lives you know, um, in this format in some yeah. ways. It's selfishly, you have a standing meeting with a guy. And if I had to drive to meet him, it would take me anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes one way, just in traffic. And if yeah. there's traffic jam, it could take more than that. Yeah. So that's an hour plus of time in my car. 
uh, back and forth. Oh, yeah. Whereas now in Zoom, it's like 30 seconds. I don't even have to brush my teeth. I mean, <laughs> they don't have to wear pants. And I have like shorts on, but I, you know what I'm no, saying? Right, I, don't right. have to, I don't have to brush my teeth. Yeah. Yeah, business in the top, party in the bottom. I don't have to be ready. I mean, and if like, you know, if I get up in the morning and we decide we want to do it, at, you know, early, I just put my hat on. Mm-hmm. I had a um, face-to-face meeting yesterday that I thought was Zoom. And uh, I ended up having to cancel like two other meetings around it because of drive time. And then just realizing some of the, the discussion that happens after the me- meeting continues on. Oh yeah, and then, you know it's the meeting. No, after you know that's the actually that's a really good way. So I, I had a meeting this week in the evening, and it was with another congregation. Some conversations that we've been having, and so you have the people in the Zoom. Zoom starts, and you can tell the pastor that's yeah. kind of moderating this thing. It's like, oh, well, we're kind of getting up to time, kind of getting up to time, and a few other things. And it's like, okay, well, this is way longer than we want to go. Thank you, everybody, for coming. Boom, boom. I get up, I walk in the kitchen. Uh, you know, fix yeah. yourself a drink. It's over. If I had been there, literally, because I've been to these meetings, oh, yeah. and you're in there, you and still you have be there, meeting, John. It's the same amount of time. It'd be an hour and a half. But then there would be 30 or 40 minutes of conversation in the parking lot oh, yeah. after from some of the people that had been Absolutely. in the meeting. And I would have gotten home. Then another 30 minutes to drive. I would have gotten home like in the a.m. or something. No, <laughs> absolutely. I, I, I had been, I was out of practice. I realized when I left this meeting yesterday, face it was the first face-to-face meeting I've had in a long like in, in in this kind of meeting, and I was like, oh, I'm out of practice. Hmm. You know, I'm used to it being you can hit in meeting, yeah. in meeting for everyone, and it's just <laughs> like you said, you're in your kitchen yeah. or you're on to the next Zoom or you know, so you can keep it. It's very efficient. Yeah, there's there, you don't get hey, do you have a minute? Hey, as you're on your hey, way, John, do you have some time? Uh, well, I think, you know, one, one of the things is I was just kind of looking over all this research is that, um, yeah, things have really changed, but faith, spirituality, religion, some component of that connection at your spiritual core is beneficial in your oh, life. Yeah. We've always known that. I don't know that everyone knows that, but I think as people are listening and they share with family members, it's like, and there's hard data in, in the pandemic that shows there's yeah. value to having some grounded spirituality. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I, I think in this is when we talk about what does church look like on the other side? Well, it's going to need to learn. It's going to need to look different, but it's going to have a lot of technology still wired into right. it. That's not a bad thing. No. Um, and so I think that we got to just figure out how to, to leverage that as we go forward. But man, I'm thinking about some of the new stuff we're doing. And I'm thinking about people who intersect at spirituality at different places and platforms and places mm-hmm. that are not really traditional, like a Sunday morning church service. Right. And they're, they're getting it. There's a hunger in the world for a spiritual connection uh, because people do see and sense yes. value in that. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anything else for the good of the order? All right. Well, I'm John Stevens. And I'm Matt Russell. And this is Pod Have Mercy.